We've been here since January, guys, and we're making good strides. And Amen. Come on. That's good. I think that's like more than 50% success rate right there. Ten months or something crazy. But we're, we're in here for the long haul. We're not in here to um, get in and get out. We're here to plant seed in this community. And if it's your first time here, my name is Pastor Jeff Gwaltney. And like I said, we've been meeting since January. And here we are almost at one year again. It's just, it's hard to explain from my perspective. But it's funny how God will show you different things along the journey. And it's so different than you forecasted it to be. But it's better than what you forecasted it to be. But it's different. You didn't know God could do it that way. You didn't think it'd be that way. So it's cool just letting God drive and not, not worrying so much about how, because we know who. In this weather, I don't, I'm so thankful people got up and drove through the weather because, you know, it's good nap weather. And uh, this morning I thought, man, I could, I could fall asleep on my floor. I get up early and I, we have this fire and I turn it on. And it's just kind of like my moment I get my head together to preach the word. And I almost like laid back down on the floor because this weather was like, you know, the storm and everything. But when I was a kid, I didn't get out much. The thing, the thing you guys probably all had your go-to video game system, you know, like if you were a 70s baby, you probably did Atari. If you were an early 80s baby, I was born in 79, it was Nintendo. If you were a 90s baby, it might have been Xbox or PlayStation and it just keeps going on, right? But when I was a kid, there was a, a game called Zelda. Does anybody remember Zelda? Everybody knows what Zelda is. That's good. That's more people than know who to more people know about Zelda evidently than who Toby Mac is. That's kind of shocking. But I got more hands on that question than I did when I said, "Who likes Toby Mac?" And it was just me. It was. It's just. This is what it is. What it is, you know, and. Um, so two people. There we go. We're related, so go figure. We have similar taste. Zelda was a complicated game for an eight-year-old, you would think. And back in the day, in the third grade, there was this contest my third grade teacher told me about. She says, hey, did you know if you beat Zelda three times, then you call this number and they'll send you a free Nintendo game. I was like, what? Free? Collecting Nintendo games was the thing to do. So I beat it three times. I worked my little tail off. And I don't know if anybody remembers, but when they start you out in Zelda, you got a, like a boomerang or a wood sword. Couldn't kill a rabbit. And you got to work towards the white sword. Does anybody remember this? Is this coming back? Is this weird? It is weird. But you know, weird isn't always a bad thing. Sometimes you got to use weird illustrations to get people's attention and talk about things like Zelda. So you start out with this wood sword, and, and it's like, it's so dull, you couldn't kill anybody. And when the bad guys would come at you in Zelda, you had to hit them like 400 times before they die. But if you worked hard enough, you get to the white sword, which was actually sharp and so much better. And you could, you could strike the guy like two, three times, and they'd be done. But you didn't start with a white sword. You started with... I think nothing, and then you got the wood sword, and then eventually you got the white sword. So, so I had beat it three times. I knew the whole game, and by the time I called the number, they said, I'm sorry, little boy, but this contest is over. It took me like six months playing this game to only be devastated that I didn't get my free 
Nintendo game. But what I remember is having to start with that spoon or wood sword, they called it. I knew if I had the white sword, I could, I could do it. But, but, but they won't let you start that way. You had to work your way towards it. You had to be efficient with what you started with, with what you had available. You guys remember uh, Beat Bobby Flay? Anybody like Bobby? Well, I used to love Bobby Flay, and, and that's what got me into smoke and barbecue and all this. And one of his shows, he's had like 10,000 shows on the Food Channel over the years. One is Beat Bobby Flay with just what's on your shelves, what's on your pantry. You don't get to go to the store and pick out what, what works to beat him. You have to make the best of what you have and if you beat him then, you're the champion. And they do it in New York, like on two rooftops. It was really cool. But you had to make the most of what you had available then. And that's where the value came in. It, they didn't let you just go pick out what you knew he couldn't cook because you knew his history. And then he likes Tex-Mex and all that. And you couldn't go get something that would beat him. You had to use what he had in the pantry that day. You had to make the most of what you had. But it's kind of like stages of our life and how we perceive growth is by when I get this, then I'll be able to do this. And so we're always checking when the next step will happen so we can finally do this. And in the meantime, we just can't do enough. It's not ready yet. I'll do this when. And throughout the various stages in life, we acquire things that make our life easier according to whatever our definition of easier is. And we acquire better homes to live better and we get nicer cars so we can drive nicer and we upgrade our wardrobes perhaps so we can feel happier we're always waiting to get more to feel good enough and too often with that mindset the newness wears off and we no longer feel like those things are as effective as they first were so now we desire to get better and start the process over to chase down that good feeling again that never lasts. Anybody ever had that happen to them? Nobody? You guys are just the most content people. How blessed we are. Well, let me tell you, I'm like as impatient as can be sometimes with stuff when I was a kid especially, and it was never enough. So if I got more, then it'd be better. But we ask God to bless us with more and better, but could we possibly not be utilizing the things he's already given us and they're being squandered on the pantry shelf, collecting dust while we wait for a bigger blessing in order to feel effective and satisfied with the life we have. Satisfied. When we fail to utilize what we've been given, we will never, everybody say never, we will never be able to effectively receive more and increase our potential to God's calling and purpose because we don't know how to find it in what we've been equipped with. It's never enough. So we'll never find it. It's a vicious circle. When God seems distance, distant, look around carefully. You may see that all the things you've been asking him to send you are already in your presence. Well, God, if I get this, then he says, look next to you. I gave you that. I gave you sevenfold, seven times 70 of that. And you're already forgetting because you keep thinking more is better. More is not always better. And more doesn't always bring the best blessing. And more is not always more efficient. If we go to my passage today in Mark chapter 12, 
we're looking at verse 41 through 44, we've heard this story. It's the woman with the two mites. She was broke, but she gave all that she had. And this, this was remarkable in the eyes of God. It was pleasing to God. At verse 41, it says, now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich, balling, got it in the bank, cash money, put in much. But then there was this one poor widow who came and threw in two mites, which make quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, surely I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, their surplus, their extra. However, she put out of her poverty. She was in the red line to begin with. And she gave everything she had, which was nothing to most of them, nothing to us. What's, what's a couple cents here? We'll just throw it in the tray at the checkout because it's just a couple cents. It, it's not valuable to us. That can't do anything. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had, her whole livelihood. It was more than the dollar amount. It was more than money. It was her livelihood. It represented all. And it carried more value than the abundance of those who gave a a greater amount in volume, but a lower percentage of their heart. The title of my sermon today is Dirty Old Game. It's just a dirty old Nintendo game. It's dirty. It's been sitting in that tote for 30-something years, Nate, in my basement, just collecting dust. It's useless. Nobody wants that game anymore when you can just download them to your phone and it's free and it's, a, you know, you don't need cartridges and you don't need all that stuff. And they got the 3DS. My boys got their own 3DS and my daughter, well, now she wants a 3DS and nobody cares about Zelda on the Nintendo anymore. It's worthless. It's just a dirty old game. It can't be valuable. It can't produce nothing because it's old news. When I get a 3DS though, then I'm going to be on top of my video game, you know, my video game game. But let me tell you that fulfillment comes by walking in the fullness of what God has already given you. Not what he's going to give you. He's not going to make you full until you recognize you might already be full. And fulfillment comes by walking in the fullness of what he's already given you. He's already given it to you, but it's in our DNA to say, more, please. Who wants seconds? More, please. When I was a kid, my eyes were bigger than my stomach, my dad would say, because even when I wasn't hungry, if there was more to take, he'd say, you sure you're going to eat that? Don't waste that. Yeah, I know. I do repeat myself, and I've talked about the scallop story, and I've talked about a lot of these things, but it's who I am, and it's what I draw from. And if you can relate to taking more, you know, like when mom and dad would go to McDonald's, hey, I'm going to get two uh, McMuffins and two hash browns, but I, I always could only eat one. It's because my eyes were bigger than my stomach because my perception of joy was to get as much as I could. I didn't know it would give me a tummy ache. I didn't know it would make me unhealthy. We think more is better, but maybe it's more problematic. You're seeking something that's actually going to bring you more problems. 
It's like the moment it will come across the mo-. You know what I'm saying, Felix. Not to quote B.I.G., but I, sometimes you got to do it. And, and the more you come across, the more accountability, the more responsibility, the more cables you got to set up, the more people you got you to gotta talk to, and the more brain power you lose, and the more responsibility and all these things. And it doesn't always make it better if you're not utilizing what you already have. It's about using what you have and recognizing that your joy is in where you're at, not always where you got to go. You'll never find it. But that was, that was the way. We think more is better, but maybe it's more problematic. We'll be more effective when we have more resources. We'll be able to do church right when we have enough people. Uh-uh. God says, you just do church, and I'll, support the, I'll supply the people. You plant the word. It, you know, for how many, how many times we say, well, we'll go when they have this to offer me because I need to be fed. But maybe if you, if you want to be fed, you got to feed people. And when you feed people, you'll start being fed because the fullness of life is recognizing that you're already surrounded by the things that will bring that fullness. We don't think that way. We find reasons to push it to tomorrow when we're better equipped. I'll give more when I get more. It's in the giving part of our lives, too. It's backwards. We preached on that a few weeks ago. It's the same thing. When this, then I'll move. And people gave in Jesus' day according to what they felt was safe out of their abundance. It's, it's not, you know, it's not uncommon today. But God wants you to live safely in him by giving all of your life, livelihood to him. And until you give your livelihood to him, you're not really living in him. You're living straddled across the biblical equator. You got one foot in the world and one foot in the Bible. And you're trying to walk your walk like this, and it can't work like that. I'm sorry. You'll never find it that way. Never. I've tried it. It's because it's you want to keep this part, but you want to you you get this part too. But you don't want to step fully across and be in the fullness and give all that you have in the two mites. And we're not talking about money. We're talking about livelihood. Go all in. Go all in and quit getting bored with what you have. Be grateful for what you have because when you don't have it, you know, it's like the, um, when you're, when you're a teenager and you get a, a crush on somebody and you find out they like you, then, you, then they're not as interesting anymore. It's like, it's like the thrill of the chase. You know, that's kind of how we are in our culture. It's the thrill of the chase of pursuing the thing. But when we get the thing and we realize it's just more expense and responsibility, we kind of wish we could go back sometimes because we never realized the joy was there to begin with. God wants you to give all yourself and recognize where you're at before he can then take you further. Because the fulfillment comes by walking in the fullness of what God has already given you. I'll serve God faithfully when I get my life together. Well, let me tell you, people, you will never get your life together until you serve God fully. You have to, you have to go all in. I tried it. The best thing sometimes aren't what the world calls valuable. The best things I get nowadays, anybody that has kids knows what this is like, but when they make you something and they really put time into it, like my kids make these books, they make um, little like crafts, like a house, here's mommy, here's daddy, here's, I got four kids, here's, here's all the people and they put the names on it, they put all this thought into it and that is so much more valuable. As I get older, I'm recognizing that the joy is in that because it showed their heart. They couldn't buy that. 
but we're taught that that is insignificant because it was only two mites or free. We tend to want to constantly receive more to feel satisfied. So we never can be satisfied. We can give more when we have more. We think that's what God wants. God can use me when? No, God can use you now. God needs you now. We're in a world dying for God and going the opposite direction. They need you in your capacity now with your two mites. They don't, he doesn't need to wait on you until you have 100,000 mites. He needs your two mites now because there's people dying and not going to heaven according to the scripture. It's a problem. He needs you now. He, he has talents and gifts for you now that you're capable to deliver in the capacity you have available now. Serve him fully, though, and watch him change your life. And that dirty old game, if I got the game out, Nate, it still works. Anybody remember the, um, the spit trick on the Nintendo games? Come on. Somebody remembers early 80s. Michelle, she was born in 81. She was born in 81. She remembers the spit trick. That if you had a Nintendo back in the day, the games would get dirty, and you had to... You had to, like, spit in the game and take your finger. It was gross, I know, but it worked, and that's what kids did. They'd, they'd, rub, the, they'd rub the dirt out, and then they shove it back in the council, and bam, there goes baseball stars again. It's back up. We're ready to play for three more hours. You had to, you had to just put a little shine on that thing, and it was good as gold, baby. It was, back, it was back in business. Just because it was dusty didn't mean it wasn't able to be utilized anymore. It was no good. I had to have new, I remember, uh, I won't say the name, but a celebrity, they grew up, you know, they grew up and they get handed new cars and then she had a fender bender and she said, Daddy, I got to have a new one because I can't drive that thing with that fender bender on it, with, the, with that bent fender. I, just knowing it was repaired is no longer good enough. It no longer could sustain my joy. I need a brand new one again, Daddy. Obviously, she hadn't played an old Zelda game before to know that it just needs a little shine. You see, clean it off, put some, you know what, some, you know, just get the, eventually they came out with the cleaning kits so you could do it the right way. But before the cleaning kits, you had to do it the manual way, which with, with your mouth. It's gross. <laughs> but your ability to progress in God's purpose is already at your disposal. And God won't withhold from you until you've reached a milestone. He don't need you to reach a milestone before you can be effective. That's a cop-out, I'm sorry to say, but it is. That's how you want to feel it. You want to feel God at a certain level, otherwise you can't find the joy because you're not recognizing it's still already there. God doesn't need the joy to uh, be at a certain level. He wants you to recognize what he's already given you. You want to pursue a dream God called you to, start small with what you have. Endure. Be consistent. Be consistent. If I could think of any word that works well with going from A to B and seeing change, it's consistency. It's being consistent. When you're not consistent, you're going to have gaps and you're going to keep, what do they call it, back to the drawing board, going back to the, you know, beating a dead horse, they call it. You just, you just keep doing this, and then you can't figure out what's wrong. God wants you to be consistent where you're at and just be happy with that. It's enough. 
It's enough. We lose time trying to replace that feeling with things that are not going to bring the joy anyway. I've got audio cables from since I was a kid, still saved in these totes, along with like my old toys my mom saved and all these things. And I've got so many audio cables, Vincent, that I forget I have them. And when the church, something happens, I need a cable. I go buy the cable and then I realize I have maybe four in surplus. And I forget, I got all these cables. And so, so I forget that I had it because it's been so buried for so long, I just kind of threw it away and now it's in the basement so that wouldn't be good enough. I need a package to open it up and know that's the one. But it's the same cable. It was good, what I had. And so I'm, I'm creating all this extra work for myself and what I had was already there. I thought that all this, you know, the, the house and the, and, the, and the job, and I thought getting that car, and I thought that, you know, if we took that trip and all these things, and I thought if I found that person, that then I'd be joyful. But if you can't be joyful in who God made you to be to begin with, they're not going to do it for you. That thing is not going to do it for you. They're not going to fix your life for you. You have to love yourself from within first and recognize the love God has for you, and no one else is going to give you that love if you can't love yourself first. It's not their fault. If they just loved me more, how do you love you? Do you love you? Do you know how much God loved you, that he died on a cross for you? Our ability to give all we have relies on not waiting for better to come first. I got all these tools. When I got married, my brother helped me get some tools so I could be a man. And I got the tools, and I was never good with tools. And so I got the tools sitting there, and they're still like new, some of them. I still got some that have never been opened. You know that, uh, here's this, what's that thing? It's a hand palm nail gun. You, I've had it for like 12 years. Never used it. It's right there. It's not because the tool was no good. It's because I didn't use what I had. I'd barbecue. I'll barbecue instead. That didn't go well either because the food didn't come out good. It's the barbecue pit's fault. It's, it's the barbecue pit. It didn't, it didn't matter that I was racing and not paying attention and turning the heat too high and burning all the food. It doesn't matter because the barbecue pit wasn't good enough. And if I had a stainless one without the burners that would rust on me, then my food would be good. But that's not really what it was. It's, I didn't know how to use what I had. I never built my dream basement like my... Like, like a carpenter would, like Jesus, because I didn't, know how to use the t- I didn't know how to use the tools. So they just stayed in the thing. I never used my, my power saw, What's the table saw. I'm really sounding, I know, I'm, not the, I'm more of a technical guy, and I'm using the, the power saw, and, but I don't have a good table, so I'm like breaking my back, and I'm trying to like hold, hold the wood with one leg, and the, the cut's coming all crooked, and then I talk to my brother, I say, yeah, I just can't cut lines good. I can't cut straight lines. It's just me. I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't using the tool right wasn't using what I had to begin with that was meant to do the job because I was shortchanging the experience thinking it was the tool's fault. It's my fault. I didn't put any time into it. I didn't even YouTube it because it didn't exist yet. Even if it did, I still, if I can't find it in three seconds, I just figured it's not for me. Go back to smoking a pulled pork or something instead. 
But it's funny how we do that. And we train ourselves that tomorrow we better. We'll start giving more to God. We'll start using our tools more. When we get better equipment, we'll get more mites. We'll have more money. We'll do more things. But that is not the solution. That is actually the problem. Tomorrow may not happen. You can miss today because you're so caught up in planning for tomorrow and then today's gone. It's happening. Don't miss today. Can't get it back. You can't get it back. Your joy is now. It's not tomorrow. Tomorrow may not happen. Your joy with your children is now. It's not tomorrow. Your joy in the Lord is now. Your joy in your health is now. It's so easy in hindsight. But we don't want to wait till hindsight to see that there was value all along. Amen? You guys with me? We quit withholding from God because we're waiting on him to give us something golden. Anybody remember? Zelda had two versions. They had the gray Nintendo game disc, and then they had a gold one. If you had the gold one, you were extra cool because it was a gold cartridge. All the other Nintendo games were this gray, depressing, blah, dark gray, boring. But the one game ever made on the... Nintendo Entertainment System from Japan or whatever. They came out with a gold cartridge. And if you had the gold one, you felt golden. It was so much better because I got, I got the gold. I got the gold on my watch, which I just started recently liking and never liked gold in my life besides the cartridge. And now I got a gold watch because I feel better about myself because I got some gold. I'm golden. I'm no longer gray and boring and dull. I got some gold on my, my wrist, some, some silver on my finger or whatever. I don't know. If you like it, then you got to put a ring on it. You know, this is, this is my wedding ring from JCPenney. It was good enough for me. It was like $49, but it, it's good enough for me. And if you like it, you got to put a ring on it because it'll make me feel valuable and able to be loved. When things look gray in your life, remember that God designed you to triumph, not live in depression, not to focus on the color of the cartridge, You'll never get to gold if you can't recognize what's in the gray to begin with. It's already there. It was the same game. The game was just as fun to play. It didn't matter what color the cartridge was. That was a mind thing. Same levels, same, same lousy wooden sword in the beginning, same, same everything. Same, same failure to get the free game when you build it three times. They didn't care what color the cartridge was for the game to be the same. They didn't care. God doesn't care what, what level you're at. He wants to know that you're all in. He will use you more. Oh, yeah. But he can't use you more until you start using and recognizing what you have. He can't because it's sitting on the shelf. It's still sitting in the tool bag. Utilizing all that we have, all the tools on our carpentry belt, all the food in our pantry, utilizing all the mites in our pocket when we go to give to the treasury is how God transitions us from gray 
to golden. That's how. You can quit looking for gold because you won't find it. But if you start focusing on the Lord, you'll find it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. But whoever saves their life and doesn't follow, Jesus says, will lose it. Where you feel the least like this woman is where you can give God the most that he actually desires from you. He wants you to give where you feel the least able because that's where he wants to expose to you his greatness, his power, how he can change what you think can't be done. He wants to grow where you think the roots are dead. He wants to show you that's what I want from you. Yeah, that thing you don't want to do, I've called you to fix it. You don't like that they do that in church too? Yeah, I called you to fix it. I know that annoys you too. I called you to fix it. I'm going to use you to fix it. Through the trenches, we find glory. We don't find glory by getting to the top first. Go to battle with your boomerang and your wood sword, and before you know it, God will be giving you a white sword in the Holy Ghost the Holy Spirit, that you can conquer all principalities of darkness with one swipe. Come on now. Who's with me? Come on. Who wants the white sword of God in their pocket? Who wants to go through life feeling strong, not feeling like they got to do it themselves? It's okay to let God know. It's okay to let him know. Is anybody with me? Come on. Come on. Let him know. It's all right to clap. It's all right to let him know that you have a heartbeat. It's okay. We're in this together. The Holy Spirit wants to take hold of your life and defeat all the enemies, but you have to start with the wood sword or the boomerang. Well, Jesus will show up when we have these lights. It says nowhere in the Bible. Jesus will show up, Nick, when we have electric guitar and a keyboard player. Uh-uh. Jesus doesn't like the way those subs are EQ'd, and there's a little bit of hiss in this left wedge, Kelly. Jesus doesn't like that. Then he'll show up. Uh-uh. He says, I'm here already. I'm already here. I've been here from the beginning. I made you. You think I left you? I'll never leave you. I'm here to keep pushing you and say, yeah, you already got what you need. You keep using what I gave you. You keep using what I gave you. Can you all stand with me as we close? I want you to remember this week when you're frustrated because it's not enough. You're disappointed in them again. You're disappointed in that thing again. Remind yourself. If you need to write it down on our connection card, that's what they're for. Fulfillment comes in walking in the fullness of what God has already given you. That's, that's the message. Oh, man, I've just my car's no good. With fulfillment comes what I've got. I've got a car. I got a car. I could not have a car. This food, ugh, I wish my wife made better dinners. I got a wife. Oh, yeah. I got a wife that I asked God to give me. I forgot about that. 
It's everywhere. It's all around you. You are saturated with the glory of God. You have to open your spiritual eyes to see it. And then you will instantly change and go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I forgot what you've done for me. And you'll start feeling full again. Get in your word. When I run dry all the time, you know, because I, I get too busy and I don't get any word, I start feeling like I'm starving and I start feeling like the weight is on me again. And then I go back to the word and I remember he's with me. And he takes the weight off again. It's a battle. It's a battle I go through. Monday mornings, man. It's a battle. The weight is heavy on Monday. And then by Monday afternoon, I remember, oh, yeah, that's right. This is about him. That's right. Because I get caught up in the, in the, in the practical parts of it. And, and it, it starts feeling like work. And I, I remind myself, oh, yeah, this is about him. This is about my children's children. This is about people going to heaven. This is about all that. It's not about the EQ issue we had. <laughs> that's, that's how my brain works. I get caught up in, in the details. And I forget that I'm already saturated in glory of God fullness that's just overflowing in my life. And I'm not paying attention. So I'm speaking from the heart. I'm hoping that seed lands in yours and you can spare some years before you recognize it because you can't get it back. You're in right now and you can't get it back. Stop waiting for tomorrow to give your life to him. Don't live in regret. Live in the abundance of the love Christ has already given you. God wants to multiply the least of what you already have when you give it all, just give him all. And he will just open up the waters. Go on through, Israelites, as he drowns the Egyptians. Go on through. You think I couldn't separate the waters because you've never seen it before? <laughs> Go build your calf. How many times I got to show you, Israel? Just because we don't know how. We don't have to worry about it. We know he will. He does not break his promise. Come to the Lord today, and he is waiting for you so he can pour out his spirit. What looks like your life just feels like a dirty old game. Your whole life, I just feel like an old game in a box. I can't be used by God. He says, no, that's who I want to use the most because there is treasure buried in that dirty old game that you think, but I made you, and whatever I made is not dirty. You got to remember, you're a temple of the living God, and I created you, so don't you ever call what I created dirty. That's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to not do anything because you're not good enough because you did that, and he says, whatever I touch is holy, so when I touch you, there is no dirt left. You are made new again, and you're going to go from gray to golden. Come on, how many believe it? How many are excited? There's always a second chance when there's life to breathe. You got a second chance to take another step. We're going to pray as we close. If you could just bow your heads with me. And wherever you're at, we always open this altar. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Nobody's looking. We open this altar if you want to pray in your seat, if you got something you want God to take from you, if you want God to touch you today, you just pray and praise God and someone can come and pray with you. We have prayer partners in the church. We got people who want to see you thrive. 
because they know what God touches, God can use, and it doesn't matter if it's only a couple mites. It doesn't matter if it's just this little thing. God wants to use you in a big way. But you got to start with what you've already been equipped with. 